Good morning. My name is Ava Llewellyn, and I'm in seventh grade at Sarasota Middle School. Our scripture passage today comes from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, beginning with the 24th verse. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds, the great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learns its lesson as soon as the branch becomes tender and puts forth the leaves. You know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near. At the very gates, truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you is what I say to all. Keep awake. This is the word of the Lord. Great job, Ava. Uh, as we enter into this Advent season, as I conclude my message, I haven't started yet, that's not the conclusion, but as I conclude the message, we'll take about 30 seconds of silence. Advent is a season of waiting, and so we're going to, throughout Advent, have about 30 seconds of silent reflection following our sermon each week, and so just wanted to um, share that with you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today to get together. Lord, we ask that our eyes be opened, that our ears be able to hear how you are speaking to us today. Lord, as we enter into this Advent season, may you show us something new. Lord, may the words that I say be glorifying to you, and may your scripture speak to us today. Lord, we ask all this in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So growing up, my family, a little bit about myself, my family would attend church every January to April because that's when my grandmother was in town from Ohio. <laughs> and every year, we would, uh, I would travel upstairs, ironically, to our church's version of Impact Kids, and I would make new friends, and I would learn Bible stories, and then I would see them next January. And as I entered into sixth grade, Instead of going to children's church, I went to youth Sunday school. And I made some connections, and I made some friends, and I found a new interest. And I stayed after my grandmother went back up that April. But unfortunately, like oftentimes happens with some of our students, life gets busy, things get in the way, traumatic situations occur, and it hinders our presence in this faith community. 
And I remember being at youth group on a Sunday evening, one of the very few times I went my sophomore year of high school. And they were teaching about grace, about how God's grace is all-encompassing, about how there is nothing that we can do that is unforgivable, that God's grace has already conquered everything, that we have already been forgiven. Right? I grew up in a Methodist church, so we were talking about provenient grace, like my stuff had already been forgiven, justifying grace, I'm going to be forgiven, sanctifying grace, I'll continue to be forgiven. And I was like, wow, God's grace is that powerful. I should really wait to cash in on that. I'm like, let me live, I'm a high schooler, right? Let me live my life, let me have fun, let me do whatever I want to do with my friends, let me treat people however it is that I want to treat people, because let me just be concerned about living my life to the fullest for this season. And then as I get older, as things slow down, as it becomes easier to be a Christian, then I'll choose to accept God's grace and I'll cash in on that. That's a flawless plan, right? I mean, I can't be the only person who has ever thought about that when learning about grace for the first time, right? I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but you know who you are. You're like, I'm still thinking about that idea. (laughs) And as expected, it was quite a while until I saw the inside of my church again. And it wasn't until about a year later that I realized God's response to this flawless plan of mine. See, my youth pastor knew that I loved missions and service opportunities, He reached out to me one day and said that there was a gentleman out of Venice who was trying to put together a youth trip to Cuba. He's been doing adult trips for some time, and he wanted to take a group of students. Did I want to go on this inaugural trip? Yeah, it's Cuba, of course. Sounds really interesting. That sounds cool. I I love service opportunities. And so the summer before my senior year of high school, I find myself on this service trip in Cuba. And the first part of this trip was spent at a youth camp for Cuban youth. It was called Camp Canaan. And they gathered every year for a week of camp, about 1,000 of them. And that was our worship space for that week. The temperature inside was probably 108, 110 degrees. Worship services were about two hours. (laughs) But it was open on both sides, and kids flooded out sides, and kids flooded out the back because more and more wanted to come in here. And I remember on day four or five of getting to worship with this group, I felt the presence of God in my life very clearly and very personally for the first time. As I looked around, I saw this transformative power of Christ in the way that so many students were were putting their hope and putting their trust in God and, and how it really changed the way that they were carrying themselves, how they were experiencing joy and all of this turmoil and struggle that they were experiencing And suddenly waiting to cash in on God's grace, waiting to begin that personal relationship with Christ, with our Redeemer, our Counselor, it didn't seem like such a good plan. The way I envisioned my life and the things that I had hoped for, the things that I was thinking about when I thought about what a successful life would look like, changed. Changed forever. Because I experienced God in a very personal way way. See, our relationship with Christ is meant to be personal. It's not meant to be something we simply learn about, but something that we experience in this season can be unique to all past years, if we so choose, the season of Advent, because our God is a personal God, a God who shares the hope of Christ with us, so that as we experience our relationship with God, we 
are experiencing God's hope for ourselves and for our world. But unfortunately, we live in a broken world, right? We're humans, and I like to say wherever there is humanity, there's going to be brokenness because we're not perfect. And there was this popular belief in the early 1900s that God's kingdom and God's creation were ever growing closer together. Right, that as time went on, more and more people would come to the faith. Our world would become more and more Christ-like. Pain and sorrow would become less and less until eventually these worlds are one. That sounds incredible. But it wasn't until the 1930s, there was this theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr. I'll paraphrase what he said here. He pretty much goes, are you out of your mind? He's like, we're coming out of World War I where we just watch Christians slaughter each other. The stock market has crashed. There is a depression and extreme poverty. And you want to tell me this is what God's kingdom is supposed to look like. And I imagine in that time, Christ's hope was really difficult to come by. And it seems, though, as time goes on, every decade, every generation has their battles and their struggles with experiencing hope. And it feels harder and harder to hold on to. Right? Today, it feels like everyone is either experiencing themselves or directly connected with somebody who is experiencing cancer or another severe illness. Depression and anxiety rates have skyrocketed over the past 10 years, leading to higher suicide rates. Families struggle to feel safe sending their children to school and getting to worship together in churches and mosques and other religious establishments. The cost of living is going up far quicker than our salaries are, and a lot of times working families are now having to adjust their way of life because of it. And our world affairs are feeling strained as there is more war and there is more corrupt governments and dictatorships oppressing entire people groups. Hope feels hard to come by and really hard to hold on to today. So much so that some say that Jesus must be coming back, right? We read anything from Revelation, a lot of times we see signs, and we, we read about these signs that there will be signifying Christ's return to our world, and people will take those signs, and they'll say, well, look, this event must be this sign, right? So while, all, while our world is closing in, we're at least going to have time, or excuse me, we're at least going to get to experience Christ coming into our, our world. But our scripture tells us about that day or hour. No one knows. Neither the angels, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so we're supposed to keep awake. See, Christ's words this morning, I think, are a helpful guide for our response in a world where hope feels really hard to come by. At this point in Jesus' ministry, when he's delivering these words, his world is falling apart around him. His world is closing in. He's becoming targeted. He is nearing his death. And he chooses to stick to his mission. Of all things to do, he chooses to stick to his mission. His mission to redeem our world. And as we read over our scripture this morning, our scripture is not written to point us to the focus of Christ's return into this world or to doubt the reality of Christ's return to this world. Right, We can know and trust that Christ is coming again, but unfortunately, we can also know and trust that we have no idea when that's going to be. Instead, Christ's words here call us to participate into God's mission. See, Christ commands us to stay awake, 
We have to ask, like, what, is, what does that mean, staying awake? We're called to stay awake to how God is participating in our world around us. How Christ is still at work in our world today, making God's kingdom known here in this place and in this time. And by staying awake, we are called to take on Christ's mission for our world as he commands us to love God and love neighbor. We participate in Christ's mission every time we carry Christ's cross and put others' needs before our own. We participate in Christ's mission every time we speak up for those without a voice or those who have been victimized or marginalized. We participate in Christ's mission every time we make an effort to show patience and grace when we feel like we have run out. We participate in Christ's mission every time we care for the brokenhearted and tend to the needs of those who need us. And in the wake of Christ's world falling apart around him, he stuck to his mission. And 2,000 years later, in this Advent season, we might feel like our world is closing in around us. Maybe our life is closing in around us. Christ says, stay awake. There is hope in this world still, because I am still at work, and I have hope to share with you. Children of God, hear this good news this morning. Our hope is not dependent on our circumstances. See, as followers of Christ, our hope for a better future is not dependent on that promotion. Our hope for a better future is not dependent on that accolade. Our hope for a better future is not dependent on that test result. Our hope is not dependent on that friendship being saved. Our hope is not dependent on if we go to war or if they are healed or if that storm comes and the waters rise. We hope for these evil and terrible things to not occur in our world, and we hope for good to occur in this world, but our hope is not dependent on them because when our hope is dependent on our circumstances, our hope is in ourselves. And our hope is in this world and not in Christ. See, Christ doesn't just invite us to stay awake when it's convenient for you. When you feel like you're ready to cash in on that grace, Christ commands us, stay awake. See, when we stay awake to what God has called us to, our hope moves beyond our circumstances and into Christ. When we stay awake, we get to see the hope of Christ in our world all around us, and we get to have the opportunity to participate in that hope. We experience true fullness, and we experience peace and strength because we are noticing and responding to God's work in us and around us. See, our theme for this year is behold, I make all things new. When we want to talk about what it means to participate in God's mission and what that looks like, I think the scripture that goes along with this theme for our year that we pull our theme from helps us to understand. See, God's home is with us. God dwells with us. We are God's people, and God is our God. And when we want to talk about God's mission for our world, God's mission for our world is that every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Death, pain, crying, mourning, will be no more. Are we staying awake to see how God is making all things new around us? Because Christ is not calling us to stay awake for his return. Christ is calling us to stay awake to see how God is making God's return here and now. 
And I mentioned earlier, where there's humanity, there's brokenness. We're not going to be perfect at staying awake, unfortunately. But I find great peace in knowing that just a couple of chapters later in this Gospel of Mark, we see the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus before the night before his death on the cross. And as he is there in the garden, his disciples are falling asleep. His disciples cannot stay awake. Right? They were with Jesus. They were in the presence of God. They were literally seeing God at work directly in front of them in the most tactile way anybody in history will ever see in their lives, and they are falling asleep in their last moments. Staying awake and alert to Christ's work in our world and around us is not going to be easy, and we're going to mess up. I know I have missed more times than not God's work in my, in my world and in my life than I have gotten to notice it. And I'm sure that our pastors would feel very similarly about that idea. But our shortcomings do not discredit us asking, how can we make this Advent season uniquely different? Our inability to stay awake, the ways that we have noticed God at work in our lives do not discredit us from asking how can we make this Advent season uniquely different? See, in the time Jesus was born, there's a gap between the Old and the New Testament of about 400 years, where there's no writings, there's no um, recollection of, of God speaking to God's people and God guiding God's people. All they have is this promise that one day a Savior will come. And for 400 years, they're holding on to this promise. And their world is not perfect, and I imagine in that time and place, hope felt really hard to come by. And then the hope of Christ enters into this world, and this world struggled to stay awake to God's action in and around them. And it makes me wonder, it makes me question, is there a birth happening now that we're being called to stay awake to? Is God calling us to stay awake to the hope that Christ brings into our world in a new and unique way this Advent season? in a world that seems to continue to grow darker, we believe that there is a birth happening. A birth of Christ filled with hope, and peace, and joy, and love. In this season, we get to pay special attention to what that looks like. As children of God, you have been given unique gifts to make God's kingdom known here in this space, here in this community at Church of the Palms, here in Sarasota, here in our work, here in our families, to make God's kingdom known. And each day we get to respond to the hope that Christ brings into our world by choosing to share those gifts with others. And I think that there is more hope in our world than we choose to let on or than what meets the eye. And Christ is calling us to stay awake to it because it is all around us if we so choose to look. I believe I have one of the best jobs because I get to work with our students, right? And I think that I get to help them to build a curiosity for their faith, to build a curiosity for God's action and participation in our world, for what the hope of Christ looks like to be lived out, to what gifts they have that, they, that allow them to participate in it. And I think often as adults, we really like to muddy things up, especially when it comes to religion like everything else. We ask a lot of questions. We make things really confusing. 
And I, I enjoy this. I enjoy the, the deep theological conversations that have um, no clear answers. You can ask my wife. I live for them, and she's like, can't we just, like, believe in the simple? <laughs> right? And so I'm, I'm guilty of muddying the waters more than, more than we need to. Right? But Christ tells us that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the children. And I think that there's a lot that we can learn from the children and from our students. And I think that any of our adults who serve in family ministry would agree with that because they participate in God's mission for our world so often without even knowing it. Like when they choose to shop for families this Christmas and to learn about homelessness and the hope that God has for people that are often forgotten about. Or when 223 people put on a red hairnet at our Rise Against Hunger event because they believe that they are going to see a world where world hunger is eradicated. When we have students volunteer to spend their Friday night serving an Advent dinner for Samaritan counseling because they have hope for a world with better and healthier mental health. Or maybe when one of our student leaders shows around a new student or we have a student who invites their friend for the very first time and they meet that new friend and they show them around our space, they introduce them to their friends, they sit with them during dinner, they sit with them during worship, all because they have hope that this church, Christ church, is a place for all to belong, for all to feel like family and to encounter a personal relationship with God. See, if we're serious about this season of Advent being different than past years, change has to happen. We can't expect something to be different while we remain doing everything the same. And so I want to challenge us. Is there a way that we can simplify our schedule maybe? Maybe we're removing all those unnecessary meetings or things that don't absolutely have to be taken care of before Christmas so that it frees up our day to just be more present with the people in front of us and to be conscious of how God is at work in our lives. Is there a time in our day where we can spend uh, time studying uh, the Advent devotional that we're sharing? Or maybe it's your own devotional, or maybe it's the Daily Prayer app, or the YouVersion Bible app, or there's another source or a study. Is there a way that we can find a moment in our day where it feels natural to spend some quiet time with God, and in reflection, and in conversation? Or as we participate in the busyness and hecticness of this Christmas season, is there a way that we can pay attention to the people around us and see them for who Christ has created them to be and see the gifts that God has given them, expecting that God is going to show us something new from their gifts. See, the hope of Christ is all around us. Each day, we are invited into God's redemptive mission. I wonder, what will we see if we stay awake? Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for gathering us in this space and in this time. Lord, for this season of Advent, as we get to pause and to focus more on you. God, remind us that your hope is all around us in, in unique and different ways. God, speak to us this Advent season so that we may experience your hope in a new way. Help us have the courage to share our gifts so that we can participate in your redemptive mission for our world. God, as we enter into this holy season today, let this year be different. 
Help us to see something new. Help us to experience you, God. God, we ask all this in Christ's name we pray. Amen.